This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is Jackson Riker with WWE a member of the Forgotten Sons, and you are listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, our patron mailbag series, episode number 27. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and thank you for joining us today, and thank you to all of our patrons who submitted questions to us. And if you are not a patron and you didn't submit a question, well then why don't you head on over to patreon.com forward slash BWO and sign up for one of our lovely tiers so that you too can ask a question and have it read out and answered on this here very show. Yes. It's actually it's actually one of the ways we keep this show going is our lovely patrons and our Patreon. And thank you to everyone who's already signed up and already supporting this show. Thank you so very much. You are the grease in our wheels. You are the wind beneath our wings. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We cannot say it enough. And this show is for you guys. And we love doing it because it's always a lot of fun questions. And I we always enjoy it very much, Nick. You can't drop a Bette Midler Beaches reference or I'm going to start crying again like I did last episode. Come on. Yeah. Come on, man. Come did on. Did you ever know that you're my hero? <laughs> oh. Everything I would like to be. Come on, Nick. Sing along. Yeah, no. Uh, thank you guys uh, for, for me as well. Thank you to all of our patrons for all of your support. And you can head over to BWOPodcast.com or the links in the description below right here on YouTube to get into our Discord, our Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at BWOPodcast. All kinds of good stuff there. But most of you guys already know all those kinds of things. We're gonna, we got a lot of questions to get through today, guys, after our very long previous episode. So we got to move here today. We're going to kick things off with a former BWO patron pickups champion himself, mm. Mr. Brian Average. B. Rye asked, who would you say have been the top five wrestlers in WWE during empty arena performance center shows? Basically, the five who have been the MVPs for WWE and why. Mm. I'm going to go Asuka. Asuka, for sh- you cannot say without Asuka. I'm going to throw Triple H in on this. Okay. Um, just for that one SmackDown performance, although it's be hard to call them MVP because it was, you know, kind of a one-off. Um, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it as one. Ko Seth uh, have have kind of carried yeah. the weight there. They well, they did some really good stuff, even without a crowd. Like Seth knocked a uh, uh, knocked a promo out of the out of the arena. Uh, I'm saving the best one for last, by the way. <laughs> um, I'm going to throw. I'm gonna throw um, Montez Ford in there, okay, for just keeping his energy up through the through the roof. That dude, his energy, 
obviously naturally very energetic, but he's he's definitely kept some energy up there. I'm gonna throw Miz and Morrison in there. Oh, that's no 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 no. That's four already. We've got one left. Oh, okay. What do you have? Give, Ray give, it, give it to me. Freaking Wyatt. Hmm. All the Firefly you know Funhouse episodes. Mm. Uh, you know. <laughs> well, but that's but he's not. He. Yeah, I, I I take that with a big caveat though, because some of the best stuff that he did wasn't actually in the arenas. I'm thinking about people who were in the arenas being the MVPs for okay, those shows. So like the, he did say reason, during empty arena performance center shows. Yeah, I'm saying like in with in these shows without anybody there, who's been knocking it out of the park consistently. I gotta say Oscar's number one. Yeah, easily. I gotta say Oscar's number one. She's got to be the top of this because she has been. Absolutely magnetic, entertaining. She's been helping fill the silences. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, she's been she's been all over the place too. So yeah. I've got to I've got to give her like the little the blue ribbon on this one. Um, and I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of who else we could throw in on this, but she's got to be up there at the top. I'll give a hat tip, a little honorable mention to Michael Cole as well. His his ability to the sit there by himself and call matches for two straight hours. Yeah, Entire whether shows. or not you like his commentary sure. style, he's very dry, robotic. He tends to. He's very good <laughs> at what he does. He does. He is. Unfortunately, what he does does tend to kill any kind of organicness to the product. But it's really hard to do what he does. Yeah, it is. So I will give him credit where credit's yeah. due. Thank you, Brian. Great question there, uh, and a little little appreciation. I, I like that kind of uh, that kind of question. Uh, Absolutely. Next up, Definitely. speaking of which. The invent innovator of our moment of positivity segment yes, every show, Mr. The Mop Man, the Mop Man, Mr. Sean Clark. Uh, who would you guys like to see the fiend go after to continue writing the wrongs of Bray Wyatt? And would you want to see more of the Firefly Funhouse match going forward to dissect some of those characters? Or I guess do you trust them to do it well again? Thanks for being awesome, guys. My bonus episode was. Uh, the bonus episode was my moment of positivity this week, so thanks for that. So, oh, thank you, man. Point of thank order you, here: Sean did ask this question. If I'm reading the time right, prior to SmackDown airing, so he might not have seen right. the the thing at the end of SmackDown Braun, with Braun. Yeah. Uh, it it would have been like who else has wronged Bray Wyatt? Braun is one that is still unsettled. I'm want. I mean, Harper and Rowan could have been other ones, but do they don't have quite the profile that Braun does? I think Braun yeah. is a logical next choice to do this if you don't look at it through the lens of this all ends up on Roman Reigns' lap as, sure. as an attaboy I mean, have to look for at him. Who, who did Bray have history with? And he only it was only about three years since that Cena match. Um, so it's not four years, I guess. Well, we've done Seth so, already. And, who and, can we still do, basically, is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Now, who did he have beef with? There's only one big one that stands out, of course, and that's Randy Orton. That's the biggest yeah. one. We did Daniel Bryan already, but I'm I'm going back yeah, to thinking Daniel Wyatt Bryan. Family Shield. He's gotten Seth, can't get Ambrose. The Reigns thing might actually work out as being a grand finale good, of sorts because of exactly. the Shield. So I'm gonna, so I'm gonna, yeah. Jericho was almost that didn't really matter, and he's gone anyway. Yeah. Harper's gone. Rowan, yeah, kind of irrelevant. Not important enough. Sorry, not, not important Love your enough. Shirts. Exactly. Um, the only person who's really like a big. Mm, Big enough presence is Randy Orton. But I think that's inevitable. But I am actually going to throw another name out there. And unfortunately, I think Sean did kind of hit on the head when he said, 
I, I, I think they've peaked. <laughs> I, I personally do think that he peaked with that Cena match as far as getting Bray's like beefs out of the way. And I don't know if I, I, I think I even said it on the, on that bonus episode where we might not look at back at this. We might look back at this nostalgically and say, Oh, I remember that time when Bray knocked it out of the park again, kind of the way that we looked at his initial run before he got to WrestleMania 30. Yeah. We're like, Oh, I remember those days. But imagine if he did a program with Vince McMahon. Yeah. And did a Firefly Funhouse like this with Vince McMahon. I think 10 years that ago that would have been possible. Crazy. I don't know if Vince could do... Because when you say that, I instantly think of Mr. McMahon and Stone Cold. Or, you know, that's that's what you think sure. of, right? And I, I just don't know if he... What made it great? It was the physicality. It was Mr. McMahon taking bumps, getting beat down, getting beer sprayed in his face. All of those things... Mm-hmm. Is he still willing to do that at 73 years old? To be determined, I don't know. I agree. I think it would be fan-freaking-tastic if somehow it would just be little vignettes of the puppets sitting around the control room watching Vince work and like we're hiding in his office. Like If they could take it that far, that would be pretty awesome. But I just don't think he would... I don't think he would do it. I wonder. Well, I wonder. I just think that that would be... Is in terms of how could you raise the bar from Cena? I think Vince would be a good one. Yeah, and and you could definitely write it where Bray had beef. Yeah, with Mr. McMahon, and it could make you could make it in a meta sense too. You know, maybe even have it where it's not even Vince per se, but the Mr. McBoss Man puppet. All of a sudden, like you, Bray has a program with him, and it's it's a an analog for the real Vince McMahon voodoo could doll be, of sorts, could work right? On, a conduit. He, well, yeah, yeah, or just you know representation of it. it could be interesting that sounds awesome i don't know i, th- I, th- I think you could do some really co- really cool stuff with yeah. that thank you very Throw much sean uh next up billy asked thanks for all you do guys it's much needed especially in these times thank you sir thank you recently dude. turned a friend on to wrestle ma- wrestling and mania was her first real event she was impressed with charlotte versus Rhea, as we all were i hope uh, got me thinking, did those two put on the best women's match in WrestleMania history? It's got to be top five at least. I know there was a stretch of pillow fights and gimmicks and bra and panty matches, but that match might be might have the best of the weekend and the best for the females. Am I right or am I just going crazy at work? Interesting. I I hadn't thought about where that sits in the in the women's matches in WrestleMania history, and I'm trying to think about what other ones there were. There's obviously the modern era from like 30 on, like post-women's revolution, quote-unquote. As a match for WrestleMania weekend, it's a narrow, very close second to the Boneyard match as an actual match for me. Like I, I As lo- a match, as a match match. As a match match. Like, I loved yeah. Charlotte Rhea. It, was, it didn't really go outside the ring. It was a slugfest. They beat the holy shit out of each other. It was awesome. There was no spectacle of it. It was just a match. You know, it's... It was just a straight-up match, and as a straight-up match, it was really good. Yeah. But at the same time, and if we're talking about just WrestleMania, then that's one thing. If we're talking about just women's matches in pay-per-views in WWE, no, nah, this one isn't and is nowhere near. Uh, we've had some way better women's matches in WWE. For WrestleMania, I'm trying to think about it, and you know, basically anything in the 20s stunk, and I think that's what he's referring to about the bra and panty. Uh, except for uh, 22, you had Trish versus Mickey. Trish versus Mickey is one of the best women's WrestleMania matches of all time. That was 22, yeah. I think. 
Um, but yeah, anything after the woman's revolution, even at the very beginning. So WrestleMania 31, you had AJ Page and Nikki Bella, yeah. which was solid. It was actually a, a that was actually a really good, good match, match. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, it was just all basically some iteration of the of the horsewoman, where you had um, uh, 32 was Charlotte Becky Sasha, 33 I believe that was a four way with Nia in it, uh, 34 Charlotte Oscar, um, which was a fantastic match, just shit finish. Um, you had Becky, Charlotte, and and Ronda headlining. Like you, you know, you had a bunch of good, like all the 30s. You're gonna, you had some pretty damn good women's matches, and I think all of those would be in the conversation with this Rhea and Charlotte match. Yeah, those all felt bigger, though. I'll throw that out there. Those felt bigger. This didn't feel that big. Maybe it's just the lack of a crowd, but even the build, it didn't feel like a big match. Even if you go back to like pre the bra and panties crap, where you had. Well, like 18 and 19, you had some version of like Trish. It was like Trish and Jazz and Lita and Victoria were all doing something in those WrestleManias. And those were solid. I recall those being solid. I don't know if I'd put them on the same level as the women's matches in the 30s. Um, yeah. Th- so this one, I don't know if it breaks the top five. But it's not far out of it. Mostly because we just haven't had that many women's matches at WrestleMania. Yeah. I think it's just because the 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 pool is so shallow. Um, this one stands out, but history might be nice to this one. History might look back on this and say, just as a match, this was just really well worked. It was very clean, but that could have also been very clean because they edited it. True, you know. So yeah, I don't know. I my jury's out still. I don't want to say yes because of recency bias. I don't want to say it's in the top five. But I can definitely give it props as being a, just a damn well worked match. Yeah. How about that? It's. Uh, I don't think it's better than Charlotte Oscar. I think it's better than the triple threat last year. As much of a botch fest as that thing was, um, and the weird finish with her shoulder up kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, let's blame Let's blame Ronda for that now, because we're all on a Ronda hate train yeah. right now. It's Ronda's fault. Freaking Ronda. Maybe she knew how. To, maybe maybe if she spent more time wrestling and less time bitching. I'm, a, I'm having trouble outside of Trish, Lita, Trish, Mickey, legit women's matches at WrestleMania. I'm having trouble finding five. Like, yeah. So I mean, for me, it's it's in it's up there. I don't know if it's the best ever, but yeah. That's that's where I'm. You'll at. put it in your top. You'll put it. You'll put it in your top five. Yeah, it's it's in my top. Five. I'm, I'm saying questionable. I need more history to say yes or no. Yeah. Thank you, Billy. Right. Great question. Uh, next up, Jacob asks, uh, "What are some of your favorite promos? What makes a good promo in your eyes? What makes a promo yeah. good in your eyes?" Huh. We had a really great thread going in the uh, discussion group for a while. There, like just a bunch of great promos in history. And we had everything from like the the stuff that everyone knows, like the cream of the crop. Yep. Um, you know, old Ric Flair promos. All the way to like hard times, daddy. Really, hard times. Naturally, naturally. To some more like uh, some lesser known ones. Uh, I'm pretty sure I threw a Terry Funk one in there. I think he's an underrated promo. But uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun just seeing all the crazy promos that we had in there. Some some good, some wacky. Um, we had some fun old rock ones. But uh, I think one of the ones I threw in there, and still one of my favorites, and it's just underrated, is William Regal's last match promo uh, against Cesaro. His, uh, his, uh, you know, his, his old villain one. 
that's a really great under underrated one. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. I I always am down to start a good like great promo thread in the in the discussion group because there's obviously there's thousands of promos. Yeah, I sit there and watch. We've those all for seen hours. different ones. Oh my god, I can just go through them all. Um, what are some of your favorites? Doing, I mean, again, like I just listed off a couple. I, I just I've actually been rewatching some old Edge and Christian ones from back when they were like the kind of fun loving kazoo dudes. Um, here's the thing. The other, the other part of his question here was what makes a promo good? And the thing is there's more than one kind of promo, right? There's the promo where you're building a match, the promo where you're having fun. There's the promo where, uh, you're just out there to get, there's a promo where you're getting yourself over, right? You're just out there. Either you're being funny yep. or, you know, you're, you're looking cool. There's a one where you're getting your, your opponent over. You want to have preferably both of those in one promo. And the one thing that you should also have pretty much all the time, that, that was the intention of, of any promo back in the day, was get butts in the seats. The, the, the end of the day, a promo should make people want to pay money to see you. Preferably see you versus somebody else. And if you're good, you can make it so that that other person, people are going to want to pay to see that other person with or without you. Right. So you're going to get them over. And they want to see you face that other person. That's the point of a promo. Any promo. At the end of the day, your motivation, when you think about it, about making a promo, it has to be, oh, damn, dude, I want to see this guy. I want to see this guy. I want to see this guy fight that guy. I want to see these guys fight. That's, that's what you're going for. The bare minimum, bare minimum is make them want to see you. Yep. Right? So... That's what makes a good promo. And you take any good promo, the entertainment side of it, that's, that's the I want to see this person side of it. It's what builds right? fandoms, frankly. Exactly. You want to make fans. You want people to like you. That's the bare minimum. So if you see like a lot of the Rock's promos, honestly, the reason I don't put Rock as like an all-time top-tier promo is because so many of his promos were just getting himself over. They were just about fan him being entertained. Catchphrases. Yeah. Jericho too, you for that matter. See, you know? You want to see... Yeah, Jericho actually is a better promo than Rock because his promos, even when they're funny, he's getting the other guy over by association, right? Think about his last promo, the one he just did when he's in his, his hot tub. He got Matt Hardy and Matt Hardy's whole gimmick over as much as he got himself over, right? And he's Vanguard actually won. really good about that. And well, everybody knows who's Van, who Vanguard One is now. He got Matt's whole gimmick over yeah. by him selling that this little drone is someone he can have a whole promo with is putting over Matt Hardy as much as anything else is. Yeah. So Jericho's actually a very selfless promo in that way, where he's really good at getting other guys over in his own promos. And that's one thing The Rock, yeah, he was more about getting himself over. So that's one thing, like when we talk about greatest promos of all time, my God, The Rock could talk. But, but I would argue I can't put him in the tops of all time because so rarely his promos were about getting over the other guy. Would you say the same thing about Ric Flair? Um, what you just described, I could swap out Rock for Ric Flair. You could, except The Rock was a lot about insulting the other guy, and Ric Flair was about making himself look good. So when the other guy beat him, it made the other guy look good. That's fair, right? Yeah, my favorite look to this day is the six hundred dollars lizard shoes. Shoes, of course. 
all-time classic. Just, Can't keep these gadgets down. Nope. That's that's absolutely my favorite. Uh, there's a myriad of a bunch of other ones. I tend to like the flair and rock style of promos more than I do some of the the more classic ones. Jericho uh, was sometimes hit or miss for me, but it was always brilliant. Whether I connected with it was a different story. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's key. Learning how to what he mastered is and rock mastered, frankly, was connecting with the audience. And and I think as much as it's about the door and the draw, it's it's about interaction. I go, I pay hundreds of dollars to sit in a seat at a live show. One to be entertained, and two part of that entertainment is knowing all the inside jokes. Knowing all the catchphrases, knowing all the interactions, and when to cheer, and what to chant, and when to chant it, and all of that stuff. That's the interaction and stuff like that. So, yeah, when Drew started doing that 3-2-1 thing on the Claymore, I was like, oh, I see what he's doing. And it's that. It's as simple, it was as simple as that. So, back to promos, I, I just, at the end of the day, yeah, for me, entertain the audience. Promos are, yes, to build fights and everything, but when they're live and they're on air and they're in the ring, it's for the audience. It's not. It's really not so much for the people at home, in my opinion. Uh, I think that's changed in modern wrestling. You definitely like once once TV became part of wrestling, like it became a lot about the people at home, especially pay per view buys. Eh, you know what I mean? Right. That's that's more money than I mean. That's that's you want your live audience, but pay per view is big money. Yeah, that's true. big money, pal. Great question. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, next up, Will James asks, gun to your head. Let's actually... What? Hold on. Before we get to Will here, let's actually... Uh, J- Jacob, I'm always down to start a promo thread. Yeah. <laughs> over there. Like, I will always throw some stuff up in there. Uh, so let's let's start another thread because I, I'm always down to just, hey, let's let's throw some great promos in there that aren't cream of the crop or Steiner math and uh, and see what great ones we, we have out there. Yeah. So, uh, hell yes. Next up, Will asks, gun to your head. Pick one wrestler's face, name, logo, or their own tattoos you would put on your own bodies. And where might you put that tattoo? Oh, my goodness. Uh, just get a big old Macho Man tattoo on my neck right here. Just Come a big on. old just like glasses and no. <laughs> that's a great question um, i've thought about ooh. that i've thought about like what like i've eventually i'm gonna finish my uh sleeve stuff here eventually when i get around to it um i tend to do more geeky stuff that has meaning to me for for tattoos like i i don't just willy-nilly put stuff on me not anymore i did in the 90s with a bunch of tribal shit winking at you <laughs> randy and batista we all did that yeah um but but still, even though the tribals are there, they still have there's underlying meaning to all of them. Whether you scoff at them or laugh at them or not, there's other there's things there that a lot of people weigh into those. Which ones would I put on my body? Uh, I don't know. I mean, which wrestlers mean something to me? Would I put Ric Flair's and a woo on me? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I would. Uh, the Rocks, my fa- one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Yeah, I don't know if I'd put if yes some. You wouldn't, you wouldn't put the Brahma bull on one of your arms. He's got he's got those really awesome, um, really awesome Pacific tattoos there. The Polynesian Pacific tribal yeah. tattoo, Polynesian. Yeah, Usos have them. I mean, too. obviously, yeah, it's it's yeah. I don't think those should be on a white guy, but no, they, they they're should, really they cool. Should absolutely not. <laughs> Straight up, those are some should of the not. most detailed, and they take years. Beautiful. 
to complete. Well, when done, properly. I doubt they're going and getting them done traditionally. You know, with an actual like tattoo. No, I'm talking about the like, level. So they do all the. I've, I've, listen, this isn't the tattoo uh, podcast, go on. right? Go on. <laughs> no, I don't want to. They, they, go on your bad Go self. look up Polynesian tattoos, not the, not the tick hammers, but I'm saying even getting them done at the minimum level of detail. Uh, or I'm sorry, the minimum uh, with the guns and everything takes mm-hmm. years. You can go back and look at Rock's uh, peck and shoulder and arm and just see the evolution of it over time as it builds and builds and builds. They start with an outline, and it, they continue adding stuff and adding stuff, and it all has meaning, and it's tied to their heritage and their clans and their tribes, right? So all of that stuff is is really powerful stuff. No, no white guy should ever... If you're not... listen. It's not about white. If you're not a Pacific <laughs> Islander slash Samoan Tongan, you have no business. Maori, whatever. Ma- yeah. Maori, yeah, sure. You have no business getting those kind of tattoos. Nah. And yet, and yet. Yeah. Um. Okay. Gun. This is a gun to your head. Actually, Jay in the chat put Kaze ni Nare in kanji, and I could. Yeah. Gun to my head. That'd be an easy loophole way out. Like I would absolutely do that. So face, um, name, logo. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or, or tattoos the, or that tattoos. they have. Yeah. Uh, probably Alistair Randy Black. Orton's skull sleeves. Ugh. If I had to, that's all I, your. That's all yours, yeah, buddy. I love those. The, they're, they're very faded and gray, but if you look at the mm-hmm. detail of it, it's ab- absolutely beautiful. Um, as I'm, a, sort of I'm a fan of some of uh, Alistair Black's drawing on the desk in detention tattoos. Um, not mad at it, but I definitely, I, I, I just, I can't stand like this random shit peppered all over your body and no connective right. flow to it. Um, but some of the individual ones are really freaking cool. And that's, and it's my style. I like, I like black and white, you know, scratchy tattoos, all of mine are kind of that way. So now I could, I could do that gun to my head. I could, I could I could see myself yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Also a fan of Bray, some of Bray Wyatt stuff. Bray Wyatt's got some cool stuff. Yeah, he does. So very good question. Thank you, Will. Uh, next up, Josh yes. asks, Alleged, allegedly Money in the Bank will be the next pay-per-view. Who, who- I think, well, hold on, pause, because I think we might be having greatest, greatest Royal Rumble that has not been announced to have been canceled yet. <laughs> May 10th is Money in the Bank. That's happening. Whether or not a Saudi Arabia show happens between now and then, we have yet to determine. They've got a month. They're going to do that in the next two weeks? Jesus Christ. Okay. Yep. Allegedly, Money in the Bank will be the next pay-per-view. Who would you guys like to see win, and who do you think will actually win the briefcases this year? Thanks for being awesome. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for being Thank awesome. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Um, who will win the briefcase? Uh, let's see. Who are our champs right now? you got Braun on one side, uh, and Drew. you've got uh, Drew on the other side. Who's winning that Money in the Bank for either of those guys? Alistair. Bray ain't winning it for Alistair. Bray Alistair is not Black. winning. No, 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 no. They're not going to put him up against Drew right now. I can't see that. I can't see that. That would be terrible for him. I don't. No, I don't want that. No, Nick. No, no. Don't put that evil out there. Right. Come on. All right. No, no, no. Then Andrade is probably the next one that I'm thinking about. Seth. No. Seth. Yep. I could see it. I could see it. I could see Seth. Or, uh, no, I was going to say Daniel, but I don't think Daniel's going to do it. No, I'm, I'm thinking heel. Somebody's got to go take it or compete against Drew. Who's a good promo that can counter Drew? That's not Seth. <laughs> I don't want Seth to be right back in it. 
Jesus I'm gonna, Christ. I'm going to flip every piece of furniture in my house if Bray Wyatt wins the goddamn Money in the Bank briefcase. <laughs> After he takes the title off Braun's Every <laughs> No, and that's how he gets to the title. But that's the thing. Braun has already accepted. Braun's already accepted the challenge. So I, f- I have a feeling like it's going to be for Drew. It's going to be someone coming out to Drew, which is why the first person I thought of was Seth. Uh, because what other big fa- big heels are there over on Raw that you could have go for Drew right now? You know, unless you have uh, someone like a face going for it, but that doesn't. It seems like a weird first program to have for Drew. Yeah. Uh, unless you're unless now unless you're thinking about later in the year, right? Seth's already been Mister Money in the Bank all year, so either Seth gets it and cashes in right off the bat, because we're not going to wait all year like we did last time. No. Or they give it to somebody else. If a face wins it and they're waiting for Drew to drop the title to another heel. Uh, or they're just going to do what they did with, with like Corbin and just be like, put it on somebody. We'll figure it out down the road. I don't know. I'm kind of – honestly, the, now that we're thinking about it, I had not thought about I'm either. Money in the Bank. This is the first time I've win. actually processed who are the available heels right now to go get it yeah. off of Braun or Drew. Going back to Alistair, <laughs> if they put it on him, I don't think that works for his character. You know what I mean? If he's carrying around money in the bank all year, eh, or even for a few months, eh, it, it doesn't. I don't know. I don't think that works for his character. I, you know what I liked about Seth having it at the time, and then I'm, I'm going to shock you, but I, I kind of liked about Carmella having it at the time. It was because it was somewhat unbelievable that they could beat the person that had the championships. Yes. I want it to be an underdog. I want it to be somebody that you're not expecting, somebody that would never have the opportunity in the first place, uh, Mm. which was why we were so mad that that Brock ended up getting it. Uh, Braun. Yeah, and Braun. Yeah. Uh, Even Corbin. it It was okay with him at the time, but I wouldn't put it on him now. Yeah. Uh, People are saying AJ in the chat. AJ would be a good one because he's a little bit out of the title picture. But the problem is, he's dead. AJ is six feet under. He's dead. He's you can't put it on AJ. He's dead. Angel Garza, Andy Jessup. I see you. That's Mm. not a bad one. Yeah. Andrade. Like I, I I see one of those dudes who's been putting in the work. (laughs) Yeah. But you know who else I could see getting is Kevin Owens. Hold on to it for a long time, and then when you know down, later down down the year, if someone else is champ, he's holding on to it. He's in a bit of he's in a bit of a nebulous place right now. There's not really a lot going on for him. Mm. It could be a motivator for him. <gasps> oh my god! I just had one of those epiphanies. Gender Uh-oh. Gender Mahal. Oh uh, yeah, they were talking about him coming back. They were talking. Drew's been saying Gender's coming back. He's been putting over his three uh, MB guys lately. Oh, That's, the Nick Booking gears uh, are turned the now, Nick boy. Booking, the <laughs> you know what, though? Usually Nick Booking burns. That one actually is like, oh, that could happen. That could totally happen. Surprise return of Jinder Mahal gets the money in the bank briefcase. Hey, congratulations. Drew and actually, 3 and me back together. Low blow. No, I want swing. your title. <laughs> I have a feeling Jinder will be in that title picture sooner rather than later, and Drew will put him over. Yeah. I am not... Not put him over like let him win necessarily, although that may happen, but put him over as legitimizing because Jinder never got a chance to become legitimized when they got his first huge push. But yeah, y'all going to hate me for this. Uh, I I still think Jinder looks like a champ. 
like can't pr- really promo so well. I hated the whole Singh Brothers gimmick. Not really going to light. He's not going to get any five-star matches in the ring. But I'll be damned if he doesn't look like a champ. Like, yeah, like, it, like you with Jackson Reich. Yeah. The guy can stand in the ring and you go, damn. It looks like a champion right there. What about Jackson Riker? No, stop. Oh, get out of here. It's, oh my, no. Oh my God. Okay. All right. Now we're, now we're getting into tinfoil hat Nick booking. Move on. No. All right. So gender, Kevin Owens. What about the women? On the women's side, who's winning the money in the bank? Uh, right now we've got Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair in NXT, and Bayley. Sasha Banks. God damn Sasha it. Banks winning. They're Sasha just, Banks They're just not going to get away from the four horse women of NXT, are they? Uh, nope. But I think Sasha should win it, and I'll tell you I why. Don't think she needs to. That's the point. But it, but ah, but I think that that gives her motivation to go for Bailey. She's Bailey's sitting there the entire time wondering when Sasha's going to cash in on her. That's more grist for the mill. Like right now, like yeah, we're having all this stuff on one level right now. It brings it to another level. It brings it to another level of intensity. If Sasha's standing there every week next to Bailey. With that briefcase, and she's still like, no, no, we're best friends. And every time Bailey throws her under the bus, Sasha just looks at that briefcase and goes, any freaking time I can do this. Any freaking time I can do this. I'm, I, I don't know. I like the Sasha idea. I don't hate, I don't hate it. Do? I don't hate it. <laughs> there it is. I, I think they had it handed to them on a silver platter. And I, I, I'm sorry for repeating this again. They had it on a silver platter last year at SummerSlam. They could have had Sasha come in and just attack Bailey from behind, but for some reason they had her attack yeah. Natalia. Kyle is one step ahead of me in the chat. It's either going to be Sasha or Shayna. I think. I don't want people that don't need the case to get the opportunity. All right, well, Brandon, Brandon says Liv. What about Liv? Liv would, would actually Liv? be a good one. I think she would be a good one to have. Much like I would make the argument for Carmella having it was a good one. Do I think she should have held on to it longer? She cashed it in on Charlotte and then defended she it. She shouldn't. You know? It was it was it was it was a mess. The whole point I, of I money in like, the I, bank is for the underdogs to have an opportunity anytime they get it. Not for people that are ready made turnkey champions to get it. I just that's the ah. Uh, that's the frustration for me with money in the bank. Sasha, Sasha, there's a story there. I think that her getting it creates more interesting aspects to the story. It's not just a ready-made champ getting it. Shayna has just lost her title shots and wants another one, wants to be able to, to bring out some skullduggery in getting this championship off of Becky so that she can increase her heel power. I think actually neither of those are turnkey champions. Personally, it's not like Brock and Braun. Right, where they're unstoppable monsters, they can get title shots whenever they Shayna want. Shayna Baszler is an I, unstoppable monster. Really? Because she got stopped at WrestleMania. Well, that's not her fault. It, <laughs> in kayfabe, it well, is. I know what you mean. It's all right. Well, there we go. Anyway, uh, thank you very much, Josh. Next up, Brandon asks, "Hey, fellas, hope you're doing well in these troubled times. My question is, what are some not as well known rivalries that you really enjoyed?" One of mine is Triple H versus Brock Lesnar's rivalry. I uh, really enjoyed the aggression it brought out in Triple H and also the use of Brock's Kimura lock and how destructive it can be. Uh, Lesnar versus, uh, is it Kushida that also does the Kimura lock? Yes. Yeah. Hoverboard lock. Hover, hoverboard yeah. lock. I'm sorry. Uh, mm. Also, unpopular opinion. I reckon if Randy used the punt, not the RKO, 
he could be a world champion again as a silent killer. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this opinion? Thank you for everything you do for this community. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah, I'm surprised they don't use the punt more often, but I guess that they're just worried about the effect it'll have on kids. You don't want to have kids trying that in the backyard. Right. Uh, it's a very dangerous move. All the move, CTE stuff make... that's going on now, too. Kicking, yeah. kicking dudes in the head like that. I don't know. We yeah. got super at kids least, flying around least... everywhere now. The stomp can be done safely. It's real hard to do the punt safely. Um, blah, 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 blah. Underrated feuds. I don't know why. I just the first thing that popped into my head was Toroyano and Okada. <laughs> Back when Toroyano was a killer. Neither who knows. Let's right, let's stick to, let's stick to WWE. Uh, underrated rivalries. Uh, Bob Holly versus Raven. I don't know. Um. Damn, this is one of those things where my brain at this point in the day is kind of fried, so trying to like think of all these is is tough. Uh, the Rock versus Frosted Tips, Michael Cole. Piper, Bret Hart. Um, the Rock versus Michael Cole. The Rock versus Kevin Kelly. In an, inter- in an interview backstage. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you think, Michael Cole. Right. With your Frosted um, Tips. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm, I'm too fried right now to really like process and bring all the memories back in of who did I always want, but I never got my wrestling. Who's all my, my wrestling? Christian, Christian versus Jericho for the love of Trish Stratus was an underrated one. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, Cody versus Rey Mysterio, underrated. Um, I'm just... Whatever's popping, whatever's whatever's percolating to the surface here. Um, there was um, some stuff that I had forgotten about that was brought to light. No, no, I don't even want to call those underrated because they weren't because they ended up in championships. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm stuck right now. I can't think of any. <laughs> I'm tapping out. I, that We're one, I, I don't know. We're stumped. Uh, oh Jesus. Um. Oh, God, there's one on the tip of my tongue that I was tuning in for every week. And I, I'm back at back at just a uh, back in the day attitude era one. And I, it was the one where uh, for a minute there, I was a, a fan of Val Venus. And I'm trying to remember he had a feud at one point that was absolutely riotous. And every week I was tuning in for it. And I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go back and remind myself I, the brain is the coffee's wearing off. I'm gonna have to go back and remind myself which feud that was, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, um, can I say Shamrock, Steve Blackman? Yes, you absolutely freaking can. That's probably gonna be up there in my top three or top five of rivalries that I loved while everybody else was too busy talking about The Rock, Stone Cold, and DX. Like I, I got, I, I was, I was over the moon for Steve Blackman and Ken Shamrock. Right. Uh, Diesel Undertaker was a decent feud. Very small feud. Ended in a pretty awesome WrestleMania match, and two weeks later, Kevin Nash was gone. But that was a cool little feud. I don't know. This, these are all just random as hell. <laughs> Line draw, or Kyle so- says, uh, Val Venus Al Snow. Is that the one you that were was thinking it. of? That was the one I was thinking yeah. of. That's why, head, that's why head cheese was popping <laughs> around in my head. What do we want? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> yes, Val Venus yes. Al Snow was a great one. Uh, That's I'll, exactly. I'll go with Blackman and Shamrock because I, I love those guys. Venus uh, and Shamrock too. Brad just put in the chat. Yeah, a lot of those. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of underrated feuds for you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Brandon. <laughs> Next up, Jardy DeWanamaker. Million more to think of. Uh, how Damn you it. doing over in the EU, brother? Hope you're doing well. Uh, hey, guys, did you get a chance to watch the new Netflix series, The Big Show Show, uh, and movie, the main event? So, Oh, I, oh, I, oh, Jer- Jericho, uh, Jericho and uh, Shawn Michaels. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I haven't seen either of those. Um so what did you think no. about it? I hope everything. So we'll get back to you on that one, Jardy. I don't. I haven't. You haven't watched that one yet, have you? Ian? Uh, the big, big show, show, show main event. I have not. I haven't seen. I either. have not. It's been. It's been. I've been watching all the weeklies. I have not gotten around to watch those yet. Yeah. Uh, should hopefully have some time before the next show. So yeah. I'm sorry. Saturday, pause Saturday on that. nights after we do the shows, I sit here and edit podcasts for about four hours and then watch wrestling at the same time. So <laughs> right. Uh, catch up. I'll tell you what. Jardy, if you ask a question next week, ask this again and get uh, take two. Get get another question yep. in, but then ask us, remind us this next week. Yeah, and hopefully we'll have seen it by then. Yeah, I've heard it's decent, so I'm I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Next up, Adam asks, "Hey, I'm a new Patreon subscriber. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, sir. Adam. Welcome, welcome. Uh, you guys yeah. are amazing. Your commentary is always fair, and you always offer suggestions." I'm fortunate enough to be working from home these days. Besides listening to you, I get my yucks by sending wrestling gifs. GIFs. Yeah, GIFs. To my non-wrestling co-workers on our daily accountability <laughs> text chain. That's funny. Uh, That's after awesome. about two weeks, I finally got them all looking forward to it. Yesterday's yeah. was a GIF of Strowman's GIF. Power Slam saying, I found some old footage of our project manager as a professional wrestler <laughs> performing his finishing move, the schedule crash. Uh, he <laughs> responded that he sets it up with the rough order of magnitude. <laughs> that's not bad right (laughs) give me another two weeks and i'll have them all Uh, listening to you guys to all the bwoers stay safe stay positive and never ever break kayfabe yeah (laughs) Rhonda. yeah thank you very much adam that was awesome thank you so Uh, much he he asked here at the end would you rather take a clothesline from hell from jbl or an alabama slam from bob holly uh, Jesus Christ! So wait, pick your way that you want to die, basically. Clothesline from hell. Uh at least big ass Holly's not coming down on top of me. <laughs> the Alabama slam was is it, where he's got you oh, on his back, the, and he, oh, it and was he, the okay. Um, and he flips you forward from your legs. I I kind of feel like that might bre- I, I might have more chance of breaking my arms. Yeah. But I might break my jaw taking the clothesline from hell. So what do I want broken more, my arms or my jaw? Jaw. Uh, I love to eat, but no. I need my hands. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I could survive the Alabama Slam more. It's uh, From everything that I've heard, uh, Alabama Slam absolutely sucks to take. But I feel like, I mean, it's kind of like between Bradshaw and Stan Hansen, I've seen so many of those. And those look like they suck more than an Alabama slam. Like a basic lariat sucks. A basic Alabama slam sucks more than a basic lariat. Yeah. But I feel like even the worst Alabama slam would be a little bit better than one of those goddamn lariats. Like those things just, you got a 300 pound dude putting all of his force into hitting you about the chest and neck area. And, not, and by the way, it's JBL. He doesn't give a rat's ass if he hurts you or not. In right. fact, he kind of wants to hurt you. Bob Holly obviously wants to hurt you as well, but I genuinely feel like he, he's he got more control over that Alabama slam. He's going to want to hurt you with it, 
JBL is a freight train coming right at you. Like, that's just, he's got much more control of how badly he hurts you. Yep. Give me the Alabama slam. I'll take the clothesline. All right. Maybe I'm a sadist. Well, masochist. Yeah. Thank you again, Adam. Welcome to the Patreon. Welcome to the Phenomenal Ones. Yes, welcome and thank you. Uh, next up, Chris White, who narrowly lost his championship at WrestleMania by one, one point. point. Jesus Christ! Oh, it was so good. Came back strong in his in his in his in his first defense. And poor Will, Woo. poor Will James, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> uh, who am I to talk? Right? Jesus Christ! Yeah, you're not even the wedding party. Right? Exactly. I'm in catering. <laughs> Chris says, what's up, gents? What is the wrestling pop you wish you would have been in attendance to experience live? Thank you both for all that you do. Please stay safe. Thank you, Chris. Um, Thank you. Recency bias is going to say Edge's return at Rumble. Drew winning the Rumble. Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan winning 30. You got to Uh, see the Seth cash in, my friend. I would have loved to have been there for uh, Hogan Andre at three. Would have been good. Oh, you know what? Um, Oh. I'm trying to think of big pops in history. I mean, there's a few, dude. You know, because of how just insane the crowds were and how hot they were, I've got to say there's some Attitude Era stuff. The one I'm going to pick out, the one that to this day gives me chills, gives me chills when I see it. And I saw it live, but I wasn't in the arena. And I, I, this is my number one. The one I, I know I've brought this up on the show before. January 4th, Mick Foley wins the title off of The Rock on Raw with assistance from Steve Austin. It's the one, it's the, that'll put butts in seats, the infamous night where everyone switched over from WCW to watch Mick Foley win the title. That pop, when Stone Cold's glass break hits and he comes out and everyone knows now it's on, Mick's going to win this, and then Mick wins it, that pop when that when when Hebner's hand comes down that third time, it's one of the greatest calls Michael Cole has ever made. But if you were in that arena, you didn't hear it because you couldn't hear a damn thing because that crowd was absolutely molten. That top of that arena is still floating in space. It came off so hard. That's mine. That's my one. I've I don't know if I've ever heard a roar like the the recent over the, in the last ten years. I don't know that I've heard a roar, and and maybe this is recent to me because I watched the Edge thing last night, but I was very quickly reminded there was a time where we had NXT TakeOver Toronto, and Beth Phoenix was calling it, and Edge came out. Do you guys remember that in Toronto? <laughs> yeah. You talk about a place erupting and a roar. When, it, when I hear pop, I hear, yeah, but this was a roar, Yeah. right? Edge, Edge coming back at Rumble was a roar. Yeah. And ho- like, <sighs> I, oh my God. I just, I don't know that I, I, I would lose my voice at some. You of don't those. have a classic one? You don't have like one from back in the day? There were some really good crowd participation, new age outlaw chant alongs with their things. Sure. Uh, that I, pop, that though, I like, do. Awesome. I know. It's it's the Austin glass wins shatter. The title or something yeah, like that. the glass yeah. shatter you you were out describing before. That's that's a roar, right? Yeah, I, I just, there's a lot of those. There's I just personally for me, it's that Mick Foley win was just yeah. oh oh. There's two pops there too. 
two huge pops. That first pop was enormous when Austin came out. That second one was somehow even bigger because it, it was sustained. I got to go with that yeah. one. Got to go with that one. Uh, good question there, Chris. Very good. Thank you. Next up, James asks, first and foremost, I want to say thank you. Last weekend was a very rough weekend for my family and myself. Your post-WrestleMania shows made my family and I not only smile, but laugh at a time when I thought laughter was impossible. That's I know awesome. that last thank weekend's shows weren't planned, but you completely knocked it out of the park and provided a very bright light on some dark days, and for that, I'm truly grateful. Dude. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Oh, our pleasure. Second, our and pleasure. on a much lighter note, comedy matches. Mm. Comedy matches are a yeah. source of divisiveness among wrestling fans. Yes, they are. Uh, people mm. either love them or hate them. What is your stance on comedy matches in general, and what are some of your favorite comedy match gimmicks? One of my favorites is the Invisible Man match. If done well, it can be highly entertaining and a display of true athleticism. Oh, no, it's it's performance art. Yeah. It's straight-up performance art. What Did you ever see the one uh, Invisible Man versus Invisible Stan? And it was just the ref calling the whole thing and having to, to like basically show you that, what was no. happening. Oh, it's unbelievable. Wow. It's performance art. Yeah. Like, it's... it's it, uh, Jim Cornette would explode if he ever saw it. He would, he would paint the walls with his own viscera if he ever saw that match. It would make him so mad. <laughs> but, yeah, Invisible Man matches are... Uh, amazing they can be absolutely spectacular who was it um, who was it that had the gimmick and i think this is where a lot of people we were exposed to orange cassidy where he was rocking him to sleep i was just gonna say uh gentleman jarvis jarvis thank you that was one of my favorite like that's the 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 rockabye move that's the most devastating the finishing move of all time <laughs> <laughs> oh man um jushin thunder liger's Steel Ass of Doom yep. is still one of the most legendary yep. comedy matches of all time for me. And shows what a legend that guy is. That he's willing to just go to that level. Uh, if you've never seen what I'm referring to, it was a infamous match in PWG with... With everybody that you'll know and recognize. Jesus Christ. You'll recognize pretty much everybody. It's unbelievable, the guys that are in this match. Um, but Jushin Thunder Liger was in it, and... You know, it was a kind of a common thing at the time in PWG for whatever reason. Like a, there was a, an aggressive move you stick your thumb up someone's ass, but unfortunately, Liger's ass held on and wouldn't let go. The legendary asshole of Jushin Thunder. The legendary Liger. ass, legendary <laughs> butthole of Jushin Thunder Liger ends up in this centipede of guys with their thumbs stuck up each other's butts. And by the way, again, multiple WWE champ, future champions in this. In, the, in, in or in this human centipede train of men with fingers up their other up their buttholes, and Jushin Thunder Liger is able to then manipulate them all into marching around the ring. It's bananas. It's the, the most insane thing you've ever seen, and it's freaking hilarious. Oh, the other one I've got to throw this out there: slow mo grenade. Yeah. The slow mo grenade. Wasn't that the remote control? Favorites. They've yeah they could do it with the there there's been the click on click off yeah but the but the grenade where they you know they cock the grenade and they throw it in the ring and when it goes off the oh we're all moving in slow motion <laughs> that one's amazing too again performance art yeah. Yeah, recently you know recently the stuff with Nakazawa Nakazawa and the uh, oil uh, Orange Cassidy doing stuff. You know, where they, they pull a ladder out from under the ring and Orange Cassidy's laying on the ladder. Just brilliant little spots like that. But full-on comedy matches, 
it's hard to find in mainstream wrestling anymore. They're, yes, they're bringing up little Jimmy, our truce little Jimmy. Oh, that. <laughs> oh, that is some legendary oh. shit right there. Oh, can I also say that Santina Morella's um, Cobra yeah. always used to crack me up? The dumbest goddamn thing ever. It's so stupid. But he's so funny with it. It cracks me up. The the one where it was turning on him yeah. and he was ter- Oh, my God. That stuff always cracked. Dumb as hell. Cracked me up. The, I'll the, take The Women's that. Royal Rumble had Santina come in and then Cope sting yeah. himself. Yeah, Cope. Right. This this last year when he realized for the second time when he realized yeah. it was inappropriate. It's like, I'll just take myself yeah. out. Um, yeah. And, and that's so much better than like a lot of the stuff that Vince finds funny. Like, I'm just sorry. I, uh, Vince's humor is his own sense of humor. He likes guys dressing up. He likes poop jokes. You know, he likes vomit. Like, the stuff that Vince likes, don't get it most of the time. Yeah. Not my thing. Yeah. Not uh, my thing. I remember the Hornswoggle and El Torito, the Wii mm. LC match. So much better than it deserved to Agreed. be. Agreed. You talk that about underrated rivalries. Goddamn match. Under oh, El Torito versus Hornswoggle in the Wii LC match. That, my friends. Underrated match. That, my underrated friends, is a comedy. Family. Damn, that was a good match, too. Shockingly good. Oh, man. Uh, Cole Cabana and Toru Yanu. Thank you, Marshall, for the uh, reminder there. Oh, yeah. Tor- Th- their antics. Oh, God. Toru Yanu. No, you Just go. No, I go. No, does. I go. No, I go. No, I go. No, I go. Okay, you go. <laughs> every time every time Toru Yanu goes, ah, and runs to the turnbuckle yeah. and starts undoing it. I, I'm, yeah. And, and the, the turnbuckle pads have names, uh, apparently? Of course. Yeah, of course they do. Because why wouldn't they? Yeah. Thank you, James, yep. uh, for all the kind words oh, and God. the great question there. I, Ian and I, I are definitely fans Toriano of comedy I wanna, wrestling. As I want to go watch Toriano matches now. Yep. I just, I, oh, he's so good. Uh, next up, Andy, Mr. Jessup asks, uh, Hey, gents, thank you so much for your fairly comprehensive coverage of WrestleMania and the excellent breakdown of the Fiend Cena match. Thank you, sir. Thank you. My thank question you is pertaining to Bray Wyatt after Mania 30. What do you think contributed to Bray's bad booking between now and then? Fallout? Just Losing. Yeah, losing, losing, Content, like losing big. I mean, he won the championship at Elimination Chamber. Let's be clear about that. But then, and they lost it. A, lost it a month later at WrestleMania. Weeks, yeah. in a shit match. Yep. That House so, of Horrors uh, bullshit actually, with Randy Orton. Correct me if I'm wrong, Nick. We went over this uh, on the bonus episode two weeks ago, or two months ago. Was our February bonus episode the one? It was. It was. Uh, the episode was about um, who when, when the wrong person won. The wrong, the oh, wrong yeah. person won. Ten times the wrong and people we, won. We broke down the entire fall of Bray Wyatt on that show. Yeah. We went into detail about all every one of his feuds and how he lost. And the problem is every one of those feuds that he had, he won a couple, but they were relatively insignificant compared to the ones that he lost. And the problem is when you're a cult leader who's prognosticating that you know everything and that you're going to beat this guy in a certain way, and then you don't, it undermines your credibility and it makes you look like not as powerful as you're making it, making yourself out to be. It undermines you and it makes people not care about you. If, you. if you're a guy who's out there at WrestleMania 30 and the entire crowd's chanting the whole world, you got the whole world in your, in your hands, is because they all believe in the shit you're selling. They all believe that you have these powers and that you're that guy. You can't do that for a dude who's always like, I'm going to win, and then yeah. he loses. And every big feud, every major one, he lost. As m- Undertaker, as- lost. Brothers of Destruction, lost. Randy Orton, lost. Cena, lost, ultimately. So 
Yeah. What contributed to uh, uh, his bad booking? Losing feuds. It's hard. That was it. It's hard for me to s- listen. The what Bray should have much like they're kind of booking Sammy now in this sort of Rebel Federation thing. Like he sneaks in and gets the wins. Bray always fought. I was looking back at the Wyatt family, going, "It was this sort of an opportunity where Harper and Rowan could have played a bigger part than they actually ended up playing, and Bray could have retained a lot of this stuff without actually fighting that much, just sneaking in and getting the pins." And I'm wondering now, because I never wanted Wyatt Family Bray to lose as a cult leader, but we never would have gotten what we're getting now. So it's a weird conundrum to be in, because I think he's knocking it out of the park, and he has for a year now been knocking it out of the park with with this Funhouse Bray and Fiend dynamic that's going on. And it's got legs, man. This can go on for a while. There's a few more feuds that they can spend the next six months circling around. Randy Orton and Braun Strowman I'm referring to. And then yeah. what? Uh, Jay is asking in the chat. He won against Daniel Bryan. No, Daniel Bryan turned on him in the cage. Beat him up. Yeah. Daniel Bryan, he had Daniel Bryan under his power for a while, and like two weeks, and then Daniel Bryan broke free of his, of his power. And that was before he lost the scene at WrestleMania. Uh, and then Daniel hit the cage. He didn't pin him. Yeah. Cena was the first guy to pin him. But no, we had the whole list. Uh, and the ones he won, he beat Jericho, but it was a really quick feud. He beat Dean, but that was only because Dean got scared of holograms and electrocuted himself. Yeah. Um, lost a taker, beat Ryback, but Ryback was on his way out in a very small feud. Um, lost, lost a few with Roman Reigns at, at the Hell in a Cell match, lost a few with Brothers of Destruction, beat the New Day in, at a, at a, in a weird compound match, but that was another very, very short, small feud. Um, and then you got the, the build of the whole Randy angle. And then that was just the nail. That was like 17 nails in the coffin yeah. right there. Randy Orton so, burning down his farmhouse. Yeah, it was all downhill from there. He beat, he won a really quick Seth feud as a way of apologizing to him for that awful Randy feud. But then he goes to face Finn Balor and uh, loses to Finn. It looks like we're going to get it Sister Abigail and then has the mumps. Never, we, we never finished that feud. He ends up joining Woken Matt. That's his career after WrestleMania 30. Well, Just to be crap, fair, he bleep, went bleep, off bleep, for bleep. a year to be a new father with JoJo and you know all of that stuff, right? And the controversy that he had with his with his ex. and Yeah, after the they Woken needed, Matt He needed thing, to disappear after the Randy stuff for a while. He did. Yeah. Well, he didn't. No, he just dis- he disappeared after the uh, the Woken Matt stuff. Oh, sorry, the but anyway, yeah. the the yeah the point is is that's what contributed to his bad booking was just them not letting him win feuds. Like if you got a character that needs to win feuds, let him win the damn feuds. He can lose here and there, but you have to keep that like kind of what they're doing the fiend right now. You can win little stuff. You got to win overall. You got to win the big picture. Yeah. We're gonna beat that horse to death. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. Great question. Uh, and just as, in general, thanks for all you do for the show, man. Just all the Seriously, all the Andy, support you. you have, and I hope you're doing well down there. Um, next up, Esme is giving me a bit of a challenge. <clears throat> Uh-oh. Uh, I might need a little sip of water for this one. Uh, she says, uh, hello, podfathers. And she wants me to do <laughs> jigsaw voice, so I have to do... Uh-oh, can you do this? And make sure I get it in my head. Oh, oh Lord. I want to play a game. Recast Buffy the Vampire Slayer using only modern <laughs> WWE superstars. Oh, God. Also, Sir Ian, seeing as how you are a barman, if you, yes. had, if you had to describe Nick... <laughs> I didn't even read this. If you had to describe Nick as a mixed drink, which drink would you choose? <laughs> I don't know if uh, I like this question or not. <laughs> I do. I do. All right. Um, Go for it. He's like a sex on the beach. Got a sweet and fuzzy side to him. 
He's also made with some very healthy, healthy juice. Got a nice, uh, nice citrusy backbone to him. Good color. Very pleasing. Ladies love him. Guys can drink him and still get drunk. And, uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> no, I don't know. You can, I, I, think, I think realistically, though, Nick, you're more of like a depth charge. I don't know what Shot that is. Shot of whiskey and a beer. Cheap beer. Oh, I'm def- I mean, that's my drink of choice. I'm, I'm, I know. I'm pretty raw in that respect, right? I don't, I don't need anything yeah. like fancy shit or anything. Give, him, give a man a scotch give me and a, a Miller Lite. Give, give me a tall boy a Miller Lite and a shot of whiskey, and I'm good to go. Yeah. Right? Even your scotches aren't very fancy. You're like, yeah. I'll just go with McCallum. Yeah. Mm. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's fine. Decent. It's just uh, right. Recast Buffy the Vampire Slayer using only modern WWE superstars. I'm ashamed to admit that that's a show I never really got into. And it was kind of I in that not time a, frame I, where I was in college and then coming back, and I, I just I wasn't watching a lot of TV. Then I'm not ashamed to admit that I never really watched it. Um, although Joss Whedon, so you know, yeah, I I've seen a couple of episodes, so I kind of generally like like wasn't uh, Seth um, Seth Green was on it, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, I think so. Um, and then what's his name? David Boreanaz played Angel, the big hunky vampire. Yeah. Right. I, and then there I, I was will Spike. say I've met was, her, and she's not a very nice person. Spike. Who? Oh, Buffy. Sarah. Yeah. Sarah. Sarah Michelle. Michelle Geller. Yeah. Eh, that might explain her career. Um. All right. Spike has to be Darby Allen. Oh, are we doing? Wait, is it WWE only? Oh, WWE superstars. Damn. Um. Because I mean, come on, Spike Darby Allen. It's just. It's just. Yeah. It's just there. Yeah. It's just there. Tr- come on. Alexa Bliss as Buffy. It's just there. Um, you know what I was busy watching while this was on? Wrestling. <laughs> I was busy watching real, real vampire stuff. Yeah. Um. No, this, this honestly, like, I, the, some of the episodes I saw, it was good stuff. Again, mostly because the dialogue, because Joss Whedon's great dialogue. But um. Oh damn. I was smoking plays, a lot of weed and playing a lot of video games. I didn't, wa- I didn't watch a lot of like sitcoms and TV shows in the late 90s when, when this was a big show. Drew McIntyre as Angel or Braun Strowman as Angel? That'd be kind of funny. <laughs> she said, fine, uh, question change in the chat. William, William Regal as, what's the name of their British like mentor guy? That's got to be William Regal. I'm, hey, I'm answering her question. Yeah, I know enough about the show to be able to. I am. I am going for it. Chad Gable as the Seth Green character. Come on. I'm knocking this out of the park. Work with me here. Okay. I'm crushing this right now. Think about it. Alexa Bliss, Seth Green, F this. I'm going to AEW because I swear to God, Darby Allen has to play Spike. <laughs> William Regal is the mentor guy. Come on. Okay. That's good. I have no idea what you're talking about, though. Wait, what's... Brian's mad at me. What are fighting words? What did I, what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh man! All right, we gotta yeah, get, we alias, gotta wrap this up. Alias here, <laughs> Giles. Giles, thank you. Yeah, Giles. Giles. I don't know. She said Giles. She wants. William Regal. All right, ask us that one next week, Esme. We're running out of time here. We gotta get going. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Firefly is a very touchy subject with me. Ooh, I'll recast Firefly. Okay, next week. Next week we'll recast Firefly. <laughs> Not until gotta, I spend an hour gotta, and a half ranting about how they never finished. That they did that that movie. Oh God, I'm a leaf on the wind. I'm still mad. I'm still mad. I'm t- I'm still mad about it. All right, move on before we get. 
<laughs> Maybe we need to fire the concession stand back up after all. No, no. <laughs> Maybe. Just saying. All right. Next up, Moving Josh on. Sullivan asks us, Hey, fellas, thanks again for all you guys do. My question this week is, with the release of the revival, an imminent appearance in AEW, <laughs> most likely being the case, who would yep. you like to see them work with the most young bucks? And what young kind bucks. of story would you guys use for bringing them in? Young Bucks, what do you need? It's the Young Bucks it's, flying it's versus fists. Braggadocious it's just, it Young Bucks coming in. These Come on. It's been there for years. Yeah. FTR, F the Revival. They like it's got it's, to steer into the FTR Who thing. is the best tag team in the world? Yep. Who are the best tag team in the world? And build it, it for a right, year. We've been wanting it ever like from back in the early days of the Revival and NXT Revival Young Bucks. Who is the best tag team in the world? The high-flying, cocky Young Bucks. Or the grounded assholes in the revival. Old school, old school, just ground and pound fists and, and, and beef. Come on. Mm. This it, it, it's mwah. It writes itself. Absolutely the young bucks. Although you can damn well give me the Lucha Brothers versus revival as well, and I will be all in on that because again, Lucha style versus Smash Mouth. I'm down with that too. Pretty much any tag team, though, in AEW, throw them in there with the revival. Private Party Revival is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Omega and Hangman versus Revival is going to be just be brilliantly technical work. I mean, Best Friends is going to be a lot of fun. It's oh my god, there's so many pearls in this oyster, Nick. Yep. So many pearls. I can't wait. I absolutely a whole necklace wait. of pearls. Their names are terrible. We're going to get though. a pearl. AEW is going to give us a pearl necklace. Cash Pause. and Dax. Cash and Dax. Dax Harwood and, and Ka- I told you, Cash Wheeler. Yeah. I told you this on the other show. Sounds like a 50, 50s detective. Kind of, this week on the true detective, Cash and Dax solved the murder. <laughs> Dax Wheeler. Yeah. Or Cash. It was a Cash Wheeler. <laughs> Cash Wheeler is. All right. Rounding out this week's patron mailbag is none other than the guy that seems to be the caboose of every episode. I'm not sure how he does it. Mr. Marshall, how are you, sir? Yes. Uh, you've been burdened with the one ring and have to take it to... Th- <laughs> uh, you're pulling on my heartstrings and my fandom. Uh, here we go. Uh, you've been bur- I haven't read this one yet, by the way. You've been uh, burdened da, da, with da, da. the one ring and have to take it to the depths of Mount Doom to destroy it. Choose da, da, nine da, da, wrestlers da, da, da. to help you get past the challenges da, da, da. of Middle Earth. Da, 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 da. And who is the one that sacrifices their life so you can get away after being blindsided by a herd of orcs. <laughs> Thanks for the continued content in this trying time and helping all of us keep our sanity. <laughs> well, all right, this so isn't going to cast- keep me sane. <laughs> I'm going to be up all night, Marshall. I'm going to be up all night with this. Cast <laughs> the nine. The fellowship. The nine walkers versus the nine riders because, of course, the nine riders were the, were the, uh, the ring rates. Yep. The nine walkers. Yep. Gandalf's nine walkers. Who plays Gandalf? He counts as one of the nine, doesn't he? Yeah, he's one of the nine. Yeah, he's in the fellowship. Yep. He's in the fellowship. Yeah. So it, it's Frodo, Sam, Mary, yeah. Pippin, so let's, Gandalf, let's do the Hobbits Elegalus, first. Gimli, Boromir. So we're so we're Frodo. How many is that? You That's and I are eight. Frodo. Who am I missing? What what you got the we got the humans, you got the, the dwarf, Aragorn. you got the elf. You got Aragorn. That's Aragorn. That's nine. Yeah. All right. Strider. Um all right, so let's cast the hobbits first. We're Frodo, Hornswoggle, and El Torito as Merry and Pippin. Oh, get that! They don't have. Like, to I, I got no. it in my head because I got to go watch the Jesus WLC match Christ. again now. Come on. All right, Pete Dunn is Mary. 
Okay. It it who's, works. Who's, you look at his character. You look at his character arc. Who's a delicate uh, Tyler, one that Tyler Bate? What's that? Who's a delicate one that minces about that could be Legolas? <laughs> a delicate one that minces like about. Like Cody. Cody. Cody's Legolas. Cody is Legolas. Cody's totally Legolas. Yagadagathia. Um, who is, forgetting the look, who is... They run as if the whips of their masters were behind them. He's absolutely Cody. Uh, Roman, um, did you did you have you said anybody yet? Hold on, Ho- I said Hobbits first, and you're just oh. running off on everything. Ro- else. Roman Hobbits Reigns first. is is Strider. Roman Reigns is, as Aragorn. Yeah. God, I hate it. I want to hate it so but bad. But you know I'm actually, right. Works. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Oh. Uh, who, does that mean Seth is Boromir because yeah. he does kind of betray them that and works. then? Sacrifice that were oh that that totally meta works Jesus Christ <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna say Braun as Boromir that'd be just be funny to you know but one does not simply walk into Mordor Braun is Gimli oh. Braun is oh Braun is Gimli Braun is Gimli <gasps> and it would even work because the way they shot it you know everyone else has to be regular height and right. he's just a little bit bigger and then they shoot all the hobbits and the dwarf together and then they shrink them all so the humans look normal size <sighs> sorry nerd them yeah <laughs> sorry to get a little nerd them there um, Ron would also make a great Bayorn by the way not in the nine but well, just calling not it that, out not there. that they ever had Bayorn well I guess they did in the Hobbit movie yeah fine just say um all right so like, it would have been nice to have a shapeshifter. We still haven't done the damn hobbits. You keep going on. Okay, uh, you got Mary and Pippin. Mary is has got to be uh, Pete Dunn. Pippin, Tyler Bate. Okay. Sam. Sam's stumping me. Who's the dependable one in WWE? Who, That's what I mean. Who's the... Is like... Who's all... Tucker. No. Nah. Like who's always around and always helping? Michael Cole. <laughs> I'm stumped on Sam. Chad Gable. Oh, she nailed Chad it. Gable. Yes. Chad Esme. Gable. Chad Gable. Esme with the save. Yep. Chad Gable. Yep. Little too ripped to be Sam. Uh, have we named Frodo yet? Yeah, we're Frodo. Oh, what? Oh, we're Frodo. You're a burden with the one oh. ring. Have to take it to the depths of Mount Doom. So we only have. Eight companions, because the total fellowship was nine companions. Right. So we only pick eight. I think we got everybody. Who did we pick as Gandalf? I don't think we did. I'm already picked Regal for Giles, so I can't say Regal again. Um, Who's the old wise one of WWE? I mean, Vince. <laughs> can you imagine Vince being Gandalf? I sure it can, pal. It kind of works. Yeah. I didn't tell you. I didn't want to give you all the information. You didn't have to know, right. pal. <laughs> uh, Marietta Brandybuck and Peregrine Took. I should have known, pal. Oh, okay. Here's one. Paul Heyman is Gandalf. Ever, oh, ever, God. ever wise, sort of, Fan, sort of all-knowing. Paul Heyman is Saruman. Schemey, you know. Paul, he- Paul Heyman is Saruman. Well, I, I okay. So, so uh, what you don't see in the movies, there's a lot of scheming that Gandalf does behind the scenes in the books. Well, we're, eh, yeah. you know, and you know why Roman Reigns works even better as Aragorn yeah. is you have Brock Lesnar as Lurtz. 
This okay. We could go on for hours about this. Y'all give us these casting questions. Listen. We can just this this is the stuff that keeps us here for hours, and then we stay up hours at night just going, oh no, wait, this guy. I, I'm not be better. You all listening to this later, you owe your vitriol towards everybody in the live chat because this isn't gonna get out for hours now. Thanks to these kinds of questions. <laughs> so patrons, uh, you know. Oh. Undertaker. Un- okay, so wait, who plays? Uh, who plays? Uh, Sauron. Undertaker. Undertaker. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Alistair Black. Oh, get out. All right, we're done. That's it. <laughs> All right, we're done. Wait, who's Gollum? Oh God, uh, Alistair. Who's Gollum? Shut up. No, it's, it's seriously. Uh, uh. Who, who, I feel like this is on the tip of my tongue. Who has here. a second split personality? That's why I went straight to Al Snow. You know, not that that was his direct gimmick, but I'm just saying it's it's like somebody put that's Bray a Wyatt, mental. Put Bray Wyatt on a really really severe diet. Yes. <laughs> Bray, Bray on Gollum. like a death diet. He is Smeagol. Or, he's Smeagol. Oh my God! All right. All right, Marshall. There you go. You son of a bitch. I just I'm gonna be up all night. Nikki Cross is Gollum from Will James. That's not bad. <laughs> he also said his wife was not happy with our Vince McMahon casting of Gandalf. Found it offensive. <laughs> it is not up to you to choose what time you live in. All right, we got to get up out to you of here. To do what, what to do with it. <laughs> We're getting delirious. We've Ow. been podcasting for too long. Oh, guys, thank you all so much for all of your amazing questions. Uh, These are so fun every week. It's one of our favorite parts of doing this show, and we couldn't do it without you guys, uh, you patrons, you phenomenal ones. If you guys would like to get in and ask your questions every single week, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. All you got to be in is just that $5 tier to get your question in. But, hey, if you go to one of the higher ones, you can get bonus episodes, sweet swag, Skype calls with Nick and Sir Ian Dangerous ourselves every single month, all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash BWO. All the other stuff you can find over at BWOPodcast.com in the description below here on YouTube and all of our links. Make sure you get into our Discord. Find us over on Facebook and follow us over on Twitter and Instagram at BWOPodcast. And of course, make sure you subscribe right here at YouTube.com slash open. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at DataCenterDude. You shall not pass, damn it. I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.